right, welcome to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Trevor Brew, we've got a special guest this week following up from Andy Liu from uh, Golden State of Mind last week. We're going to continue the talks on Warriors-Cavs finals with Adam Lordson. He heads up the GSW Fast Break blog for the San Jose Mercury News. He is currently in Cleveland at the scene of the crime for the Warriors and the Warriors fans last night. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. So, uh, obviously, Warriors fans are a little bit of a state of crisis right now. Uh, Similar situation in the Memphis series, but uh, Memphis obviously didn't have LeBron James on their side. What's the vibe like right now in the Warriors locker room? You know, you're you're there. Have you seen similarities between going down 2-1 against Memphis and this series, or is the vibe a little bit different right now? There's some similarities and there's some differences. I would say that it's a bit more stressful right now because there's the feeling that a lot of the problem may be mental. Uh, in the Memphis series, obviously, there were physical mismatches. There were strategic changes. Once the team unlocked that, the Warriors were rolling. They were able to get past it. There was uh, you know, some fretting when they were down 2-1, but as soon as it clicked, everything seemed good. Right now, with Curry struggling, uh, with the team just lacking energy, not fighting for balls in uh, Game 3, they just didn't look like themselves. They seemed to not have their usual Warriors personality. Uh, and that's a, a really deep concern for the team because the finals is stressful. It's something that they haven't uh, gone through before. They haven't been tested like this. So I'm not sure how they're going to come out of it. Game four is going to be uh, a big test, uh, the biggest test so far for this team. We'll see how they respond. Do you think that the fourth quarter is going to help Steph out? Do you think that he's just letting himself mentally right now get taken out of this series? Or what do you think the biggest problem for Steph's been? Do you think it's Matthew Delladova, or do you think this is just an internal problem that Steph's just got to get over? Kind of like um, when I was talking to Andy Liu last week, he was saying, you know, when Steph hit that shot um, to end the first quarter, I think it was in game four for maybe, you know, like 30, 32 feet out, that really started to change things for him. Do you think it's something where it's just a confidence factor, or do you really think it's the, the Cleveland defense getting to him? I think it's a mix. I think Cleveland has done a really nice job on their defense. Uh, Delhi's been great, but they've also done a really nice job switching in the pick and roll and really making sure that Curry doesn't get any daylight. Uh, the adjustment that the Warriors made in the fourth quarter, uh, getting David Lee in, they were able to switch a little bit faster off that pick and roll offensively, get Curry a bit more daylight, and he was getting around the corner on guys the way he just wasn't previously when it was Bogut or Zeely uh, or Green at a small ball center uh, setting those picks. So I think that's really encouraging that there's something mechanical, strategically out there that they're able to get him going. And yeah, I do think that there is a mental component of it. He clearly looked down. His body language wasn't good earlier in the game. Uh, for a shooter like Curry to go two for 15 like he did previously uh, from three, that's a shocking event. You're just not used to that. Uh, so for him to see the ball go in the basket, for him to hit some of those Steph Curry shots, uh, hopefully it'll mean good things for Game Four. When when the Warriors went down two one against Memphis, you know they talked a lot about after that series about the big adjustments that they made with um, you know having Andrew Bogut guard Tony Allen and the way that kind of changed the course for the entire series, and basically made Tony Allen useless from from that point on. Um, what adjustments have you heard the Warriors talking about making or do you think they need to make to take control of this series? After game two, they were really worried that they weren't attacking the basket enough. You saw them try to penetrate more in game three with mixed success. 
I think they're going to stick with that. And I think that that's one area where uh, having David Lee come in potentially could be a changer for them because he's more able to attack the rim than Andrew Bogut is at the moment. Uh, I've been a big Bogut fan, but he's had a, a really poor series. Uh, he's been overmatched against Mozgov, and it's been problematic for them. So I think continuing to penetrate, to attack, to force the big men on Cleveland to play defense around the rim, that's going to be one change that they're going to stick with. They also need to figure out what Draymond's going to do. Uh, he's been so hesitant shooting the three because he's spooked. He's uh, shooting at about half the efficiency that he was during the regular season. Uh, they need to figure out, is he going to take those shots? Or are they just going to remove the stretch for repertoire from his game? Uh, and that's going to have ripple effects throughout the offense because if Draymond's not pulling the defenders out there at the three-point line, it totally changes the spacing of the court, and they're going to need to adapt to that. So it, it's going to be a challenge for them. I, I totally agree with you when it comes to the uh, the the point that they they need to penetrate. But I felt like they they kind of shied away from that pretty early on in in game uh, in game three. You know, it it seemed like I was watching Clay pull up and and rushing shots just like game two, the, the type of thing where they're just rushing shots and, and the shots that have gone in all season aren't going in and they're not adapting the play at all. Did, did it seem to you like they didn't um, pursue that the driving and the penetration as much as they might have had in their plan? Because I didn't feel like I saw that that much in game three. Yeah, I think that they fell off. Uh, they've run into a pattern where they'll try to penetrate. Uh, they'll meet with resistance from Moscow or Thompson or James, uh, and then they'll just start getting spooked earlier and earlier. So they'll pull up, they'll rush the shots, like you said. Uh, they still got some good things on a few of those opportunities. They were able to find passes. They were able to hit some difficult shots. Uh, but you're right. They weren't getting the in-the-paint, at-the-rim scoring that we've come to expect from this team. Uh, at the best, the Warriors have been an inside-outside threat, whether either hitting three-pointers or layups. This is a series where, for most of the games, with the exception of the fourth quarter in game three, uh, they've hit neither. Uh, they've been hitting uh, three-pointers at a very low percentage, and they just haven't gotten those in-the-paint looks uh, that they got in the regular season when their spacing was better. So the entire offense, both inside and outside, has really been falling apart. Do you think that the, the thing that I have a hard time with is I feel like that all starts with Steph Curry, and I swear this might just be something as you know, uh, as from a fan's perspective that I think happens more than it, it actually happens. But I feel like when Steph puts his head down and actually starts driving the ball and doesn't just kick it right away, but really starts penetrating, that he has the handles and can threaten the defense enough to really start making a difference. And I feel like he hasn't been penetrating much. I know I know he'll start and then he'll kick it out, but I feel like in terms of actually taking it to the hoop, there's been very little of that. And when he goes to the hoop, it just completely changes the dynamic of the offense. Yeah, I think that that's a perceptive call because when he starts dancing, when he starts really getting the dribble down and penetrating against the defense, it can just create chaos for the defenders. They don't know which way to go. They're falling. You know, it produces great highlight moments for Steph, but it's also uh, good for the rest of the team because within that chaos, you get good looks for Curry and good looks for everyone else. Uh, because he's been trapped out on the perimeter so much, he hasn't been able to turn the corner and get into the basket. They've lacked that in their game. So whether it was the extra desperation of the fourth quarter in game three, whether it was Lee coming in and really kind of helping the offense move a bit more, something clicked. And Curry said in the postgame comments uh, that he saw something that he liked, that he felt like he would be able to capitalize on on game four. So that's going to be the big question. The ball going to be in Curry's hands more? Is he going to be able to do more with it? Will he start being able to pressure the Cavs' defense in a way he hasn't so far this series? 
Do you think the Warriors will try to change up how they defend LeBron? I mean, he's just been a monster the first few games. I know after game one, I think that Harrison Barnes had a quote saying, you know, it was either Harrison Barnes or Iguodala saying, you know, they st- he still played a, a great game on him even though he had 41 points because no one else was scoring. But obviously that hasn't worked in the last two games. Do you think they, they change up how they defend him? Yeah, that's the big question. And, I, you know, if anyone knew the way to defend LeBron, they'd be a very wealthy man right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm reminded of the old Adonal Foyle quote where he was guarding Amare Stottlemyre and got dunked on and said that he donated his body to science. <laughs> uh, it, it kind of feels that way with guys defending LeBron right now, that they're just throwing their bodies out there to be abused by him. Uh, Barnes in particular. I mean, LeBron just stepped around him a couple times uh, at the beginning of Game 3. Uh, in just really bad-looking plays where LeBron was dominant. Uh, Iguodala continues to be the best defender on him. Uh, Green has had mixed success. There are a couple times where I feel like Green becomes overzealous. He's drawing unnecessary fouls. Uh, But he's also frustrated uh, LeBron a a bit, too, so there's potential there. In in terms of changing it up, I think they're probably going to start throwing more doubles at him. I think they have to. Uh, At this point in the series, They've kind of played this game of chicken to say, LeBron, can you really go out and score 40 points every single night? And for three straight nights, he's proved that he can. Uh, They're going to have to, I think, start trying to slow him down and force the other Cavaliers to step up, see if J.R. Smith can hit shots, see if Shumpert with his injured shoulder can hit shots, see if Mozgov can continue to be as efficient as he's been. Uh, It's not a pretty scenario because – if LeBron dumps to them and they get going, then you have a whole lot of problems to worry about. But it's game four, you're down 2-1. I think they need to try to change something up. And although they're 2-1, the thing that I keep thinking about is, I, obviously this is pretty much a must-win situation for the Warriors, but I almost feel like it's a must-win situation for the Cavaliers too. And, and the reason that I think that is because the Cavaliers right now almost remind me of a Cinderella team in, in March Madness. And you look at someone like Dayton this year, they were killing in the beginning of the tournament. They're the Cinderella stories. They get deeper and deeper in the tournament. Their legs start getting tired. They just don't have enough people, and you really start seeing the effects. And even though they might have been able to get into the Final Four, they just they didn't have it in their legs when, when they had played so many games in so few days. And I keep coming back to that because I w- I'll watch LeBron in the, in the end of the fourth quarter and the way he's looked in those two overtime games, and he starts missing shots badly for the, for the most part and it's with with the lack of depth the Cavaliers have it seems like the longer the series goes the Warriors get more and more of an advantage that, that's what Steve Kerr basically said after the game uh, last night he said that the depth of the Warriors has to come in to play eventually it has to be an advantage uh, and that you would expect that as the Warriors are able to run 10 guys out every night and the Cavs are now able to run six, seven guys out every night, that that's going to catch up to them eventually. Uh, But so far, we haven't seen it. Whether they were running off of pure adrenaline last night at the home court or whatever, the Cavs had more energy than the Warriors. They were fighting harder than the Warriors. So to have the deeper team, to have the team that should be more rested and still get out-hustled is really demoralizing. So I, I agree. I think that the depth should be an advantage for the Warriors, but it hasn't materialized yet. Uh, but, but to your point about whether we're going to see the Cavs fall off, uh, if you're superstitious, uh, if there's one franchise and city that's had worse luck in sports than Oakland, it's Cleveland. So it would be a typical Cleveland heartbreak situation to go up in this series, uh, maybe even go up 3-1 uh, and then see the Warriors do something that no NBA team has ever done in the finals, which is come back from a 3-1 deficit. 
not saying it's going to happen. Certainly don't want the Warriors to get down 3-1. But it has that type of feel, a series that is so close that hangs on just a couple plays uh, that any small variance could really change the outcome. Uh, I think we have a lot of good basketball and exciting basketball still ahead of us. As far as the, the Warriors started in the lineup goes, I know there's been some questions as to, you know, should Iguodala be starting? Should David Levin be starting the way he played um, at the end of the fourth quarter and with Draymond's injury? Do you think we're going to see any changes, or do you think Kerr's going to go with what, uh, you know, what won them 67 games in the regular season? I, I think he's going to go with the same starting lineup to start and just have a really quick hook. Uh, Kerr seems to be the type of guy who uh, values the psychological impact of going out there with the same group night in, night out. Because who knows, maybe game four is when Harrison Barnes figures it all out when we get playoff Barnes back. Maybe he comes out, hits his first shot, becomes aggressive, and suddenly they have a new weapon, they have a guy rolling. I think you at least need to give Barnes that chance, that opportunity, because he has been a big piece of what they've done all year, and this has been such a successful starting lineup. That said, if Barnes comes out and misses a couple shots badly, the Warriors are struggling in the first three or four minutes. I think you need to go straight to Iguodala. Uh, you can't mess around given the deficits that the Warriors have dealt with in the first quarter. That's clearly something that the coaching staff has emphasized for them, that they need to get out the faster starts. Uh, and it's obviously on the players to go execute that, but I think the coaching staff also needs to be aware of which rotations are working and not working and make some quicker changes. I think we'll see that in game four if they struggle early. Do you, has there been anything that you've noticed, whether you know it's because you've gotten to see it from a firsthand perspective rather than TV, is why they're starting out so slow? I know it's obvious that the shots aren't falling and that it hasn't seemed like they've had the energy that the Cavs have had, but is there anything that you've kind of just noticed that might not be um, something that people have brought up as to why you think they're starting so slow? It's just been a casualness about them uh, for the last couple games. They, they haven't matched the intensity from the Cavs off the bat. Uh, and if there's anything I've noticed kind of off the TV screen and behind the scenes, it's just that that casualness permeates everything that the squad's doing. Uh, it's good in a sense because they're not tight. They don't look like they're stressed out, uh, but they're not amped up in the same way that LeBron and his team are. Uh, you watch LeBron just in the warm-up lines, uh, in the huddles. He's just has the most energy. He's just barking at his guys. He's getting them going, getting them ramped up. Uh, the Warriors really haven't had that type of energy or a, a leader to really drive them the same way. And I, I'm not saying that anyone on the Warriors is a poor leader, but I think LeBron, having been to the finals, knowing what it takes to win at this level, has an advantage over a Warrior squad that just hasn't been here before. I think that he's getting his team ready to step up for the challenge in a way that the Warriors haven't been over the first few games. Do you think that has any anything to do with the fact that it, I feel like it's been such a weird Warrior season in that they went from a team that was struggling to get out of the first, get out of the second round, to this team that was almost crowned NBA champions in January. And it's weird because it, it seems like the same pressure has mounted on them that the big three in Miami got the first season they came together, but kind of out of nowhere. So it's gone from a team that was just pushing to try to get to the next round to a team that had a, a huge amount of pressure to get it done in the first real year they were considered contenders. Do you do you feel that vibe at all that there's just kind of been this transformation where, you know, maybe if the Warriors finish with the three or the four seed and they're here right now, there's more energy and excitement, but it's been this kind of weird aura of just expecting this for so long? Yeah, and I think particularly with the injuries that Cleveland suffered, uh, you have the entire national media saying that the Warriors are going to win this series before game one. 
and then you have Cleveland lose another key player in overtime in game one and lose the game. And there's an entire news cycle between game one and two talking about how this series is essentially over. Uh, and that's a very tough dynamic in which to keep focus. And I think you're right. The Warriors did reach this point relatively quickly. It wasn't a gradual march up through the rounds of the playoff culminating in this over multiple seasons. It's a rapid ascent. That's a huge credit to Kerr. It's a huge credit to Curry, to Green, to the other veteran leaders on this team. But they look like they may be struggling to figure out what they need to bring every single night to get this done. Uh, They haven't had the intensity through 48 minutes that you'd hope to see from a team competing to win for the NBA Finals. Yeah, one of the things that that really concerns me just, you know, from – other Bay Area sports teams and just in, in general the way I've seen sports dynamic work in the playoffs is you look at a team like the Giants who, you know, they win the first time they, they get to the World Series with that team and then the pressure's off and, and they win simultaneous World Series but there's never that pressure to get back and then you look at a team like the 49ers who you could say overachieve in the first year with Harbaugh but then the amount of toll and pressure that took and suddenly the road back it's that much more tumultuous so I kind of worry a little bit that if the Warriors can't pull it out this year that it really starts adding a layer on the next season where there's more um, there's more kind of crisis and tension than the fun that we've been experiencing this year yeah this year has been special you're never going to replicate the environment of this year the run that they put together That's not to say that they won't have the talent and the coaching to reach the finals again in the future, but so many things have broken their way this season. They've been relatively healthy through the entire season. The the stars have aligned to get them opponents that they generally match up well against. Uh, You have to capitalize upon that. You, You don't know how often these opportunities are going to present themselves. And if Warriors fans know anything, it's that everything can change in a split second, that a team that you thought was on its way up can get blown apart, and the rest is a sad history. So the Warriors are here. They're within three wins of being NBA champion. They need to do everything that they can to capitalize on this opportunity because you can't assume that another chance like this is going to come around again. If you had to pick someone who you think is going to be a key person to watch for Game 4 for the Warriors – do you think it's David Lee? Is it Harrison Barnes? I mean, Harrison Barnes in the past, when he's had great games, the Warriors have absolutely crushed whoever they were playing, whether it's play, especially in the playoffs. Um, do you? Th- who do you think is that guy that needs to step up in game four? Obviously, there's a lot of people who haven't been playing well, but if you had to pick one. I'd actually like to see Clay have a start-to-finish consistent game. Uh, I feel like the challenge for Thompson has been asserting himself at the periods where the Warriors really need offense. Uh, He was fantastic in that game four in Houston uh, when Curry went down and Thompson just got the ball and was an unstoppable force. We really haven't seen him show the same assertiveness during the offensive lulls and times that Curry struggled here in the finals. Uh, during the third quarter when the Warriors were really struggling to get any sort of offense going in game three, uh, Clay took four shots. He really wasn't a factor. Uh, if there's anybody who's going to get to the basket to be able to take some contact and make something happen on penetration, it's probably Clay. He's best positioned to do that. Uh, so I agree that we need to see something from Barnes, but given how he's playing right now, that may be a long shot. Draymond with his injury situation, with his three-point shot failing, again, that may be a struggle. David Lee, great story, worked well in the fourth quarter. It was kind of a surprise strategy 
now the Cavs are going to be able to watch the video to prep for him. So again, there may be diminishing returns there. The one player who I think can really stand up and change the course of this series uh, is a guy who's an all-star who should be a player that the Warriors are really relying on, Clay Thompson. Uh, this is his time. He needs to show that he can elevate his game even one level higher and really make a difference in this series. Is there someone on the Cavalier side that you think in the, in the same sense they need to watch out for besides LeBron? Obviously, Deladova has been killing them, but I feel like they've almost been lucky that J.R. Smith hasn't had one of those big positive J.R. Smith games. He's had a few you know, of the, of the, the bad J.R. Smith turnover, f- bad foul games, but we haven't seen one of the games where he essentially eliminated the Hawks on his own on his three-point shooting spree. So is there someone that you think the Warriors need to be extra cautious of on the Cavs side? You named him. Uh, JR is the guy who scares me. Uh, he, uh, I think, ultimately is going to be a net negative for the Cavs team, but we've probably already seen his worst game in the series, and I worry that his best game is still coming. So if you take an average LeBron game and a really hot J.R. Smith game, you're going to be hard-pressed to win. So I worry about him hitting a couple shots early, feeling like he has it, and LeBron trying to feed him, uh, particularly if the Warriors are doubling LeBron and putting more pressure on him. So I think he's the guy you have to watch in Game 4. If the Warriors do adjust their defense, does he get rolling, and is it his time to really punch the Warriors if they start to sag off him? When you were were talking about um, at the beginning of, of this podcast about, you know, the concern with the Warriors right now is that it might be mental more than anything physical or talent wise. Do you think that that's something that just takes, you know, a good first quarter to get over, you know, a a streaky Steph or Clay, or do you think that it's something um, that's more intrinsic in them right now where this might be something that doesn't go away for the rest of the series? Like what is that mental thing that they can't get over right now? They need to understand the intensity level that it takes to win a finals game. Uh, and you could argue that they haven't found that level in any of the games, even in the first one that they won, uh, which they very easily could have lost due to some uh, lackluster plays. Uh, I think that when they find it and when it clicks and when they get a good run going, they're going to be able to build off that momentum. Uh, we sort of saw that in the Memphis series, that once they unlocked it, they were good. They were able to reel off some increasingly impressive and consistent wins. They just haven't gotten a run like that. Uh, the fourth quarter, I would say, uh, that we saw in Game 3 is the closest thing to a, a true Warriors uh, set-the-nets-on-fire type of run. Uh, but the defense hasn't been shutting guys down the way it typically does. Uh, the offense isn't flowing in the way that Kerr wants to see it. They just haven't really looked like the Warriors. And until they're able to get that spirit back, uh, I just worry that they're not going to be able to play the complete game, that they're going to need to knock off a really disciplined Cavs team led by one of the greatest players on the planet. So with that said, what do you? what's your forecast for Game 4? What do you think is going to go down? I, I, I'm still optimistic. I think the Warriors are going to figure this out. I called for them before the series to win in seven. Uh, I'll still stick by that even with all of the ups and downs that we've seen so far. Uh, I think that having David Lee come in and remind the Warriors what it's like to move the ball, to have a bit more motion on their offense is going to be a positive. I think it it reminded Curry what he needs to do and the types of opportunities he needs to search for out on the court. Uh, The hope is that it's infectious. Uh, I think it can spread to Thompson. I think it can help Barnes get going. 
Uh, Iguodal is a veteran, has been bringing it every single game. I think he's going to continue to do that. Barbosa in spot duty has also been a valuable veteran. I think he can continue to do that. Uh, Green and Bogut are the two big question marks. Uh, Green because of his health and because he really seems to be forcing it. Uh, Bogut because he's just been lost out there. Uh, so if they can find some way to get those guys involved, uh, then I think they're going to be in great shape. Uh, but just pulling back, there are a couple of realities that are still changed. You know, the Warriors have more talent on their roster uh, than this depleted Cavs team, uh, but they don't have the experience being in the finals that LeBron has. And so I think that these next few games, they're really going to play out. Can the Warriors' talent and fresher legs trump just the incredible will and championship experience that LeBron has? Uh, I'm optimistic that it can, but it's going to take some maturation by the Warriors. They're really going to have to come of age here over these next couple games. Do you think that Kerr's going to push the small ball more? Because it seemed like that's been effective, but then they've gone away from it and they've come back to it, and the Cavs have kind of played chess, keeping Mozgov in. And I, I'm just curious as to your thoughts on on if that's if that's what they got to do to win. He's scared that they're going to get clobbered on the boards if they go small for too long. Uh, particularly with Draymond not having any explosiveness with his back issues. Uh, Kerr thinks that if they stick with the small ball lineup for an extended period of time, there'll be a lot of second-chance points by the Cavs and that they'll just be able to take those opportunities and and open up their type of game. So I I think in spot duty it'll be useful. Uh, And Lee at center, if you want to call that small ball, I think that that's a viable alternative. I think that's probably what we're going to see the most of given Draymond's condition. Uh, and yeah, hopefully it gets things going. It opens up the offense, spreads the court for them, gets them back to playing like the Warriors we've seen through this incredible season. Yeah, I mean, it seems like as as dire as it seems right now, you know, if they steal a game, they steal game four, they're back home for game five. You know, even if they couldn't pull it off like the Memphis series, you'd be lined up for a game seven at Oracle, which would probably be one of the, you know, the ultimate moments in sports we've had in the last, you know, decade or so with the way this, this series is shaping up. So it should be really interesting to see what, what if, if we had to get a prediction from you right now on, are you, you say you're sticking with the Warriors in seven? Yeah, Warriors win four, uh, Warriors win five, Cavs win six, Warriors come back, win it in Oracle pandemonium in Oakland in the Bay Area uh, championship on the home court. I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with that recipe if, if, if that's the way that it gets, uh, if, if that's the way it goes down. But let's hope so. <laughs> if you know, any fan base deserves it, it's the Warriors. So it's been a, a tremendous run, a uh, very likable team, just playing beautiful basketball. Uh, but they've come this far and they're this close. Uh, it would just be tremendous for them to close it out and to get a championship in the season. All right, well, Adam, thank you so much for taking some time out of uh, how is it is is Cleveland really that rowdy, or is it that one street with three restaurants that they just zoom in on the camera and make look like it, it's going off and there's not, nothing else around? The the rowdiness is pretty much concentrated on that one street. The city is very into it. There, there are lots of banners and signs up. Everybody has their shirts on. Uh, it's a city that cares about their sports. Uh, you know, they have a special love-hate relationship with LeBron James. Uh, all love these days. Uh, but this this is a big moment for them. It's a big event, uh, and the city, I think, realizes that. And you can feel the energy all across Cleveland. All right, well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to uh, hopefully a, a good outcome in, in Game 4. Just so for the listeners to follow you on Twitter, GSW Fast Break, uh, San Jose Mercury News blog, anywhere else? Nope, that's it. You can find me on the Merck sports page uh, or on Twitter. All right, Adam, really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. This is fun.